Sorry, that's it. They're on my shit list. It's Nagash of the Cadron Overlords now. Welcome, Realm Walkers. My name is Carlin. I'm going to be your host today. I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Gregory. Wow, you can't just give out my name. Just letting people know who I am. Oh, okay, sorry. Dirty, smelly, skaven guy. That is correct. I am smelly, skaven man. Who has lopsided his face because he eats a lot of warpstone. Oh, you don't eat warpstone. We've gone over this. You crush it up and you snort it. <laughs> How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good. So we got a great episode today. But before yes. we get too far into that, I think we got to talk about some other stuff. Like, what are you hobbying? Yeah, exactly. Well, Greg, tell me a little bit of what you're hobbying. I know life has been a little hectic for you. Uh, Yeah, well, it's just a lot of back and forth. So don't ask me about the crisis suits that uh, will never be finished. They're still... They'll be done when Tau is done, damn it. But... <laughs> What I have been actively working on uh, is I have been working on my Seraphin army. I have finally sat down and done a bunch of work on painting my dinos today. So I got them all primed up last night. Uh, I decided to simplify my paint scheme a little bit. There's a lot of detail in them. And I said, yeah, just make it all gold. So the dinos are based. All of the gold sub-assemblies have been, have been painted. And the, they will need a wash of, I think I'm going to do null and oil gloss on them because I really want them to shine. Okay. So once they got the null and oil gloss on them, then I can uh, combine them with the dinos once the dinos are painted. And then it will be just working on the actual skinks and seraphon that need to get painted up after that. Mean source? Those are the ones. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I have also managed to rescue my flesh eater courts. Uh, oh. At the start of the last um, like lockdown, I had left them at my friend Frost's house. So for the last like month and a half, they have been locked away. But I recently was just over there and I was able to save them. They are now home. They're on the shelf. I still have to unpack them from their box, but they are home. So that's <laughs> so nice. Box on your shelf. Nice. Yep. All right. And so what have you been hobbying? Um, a bunch of stuff. Like with being done school, actively looking for work. I had a couple of interviews, but so far, uh, nothing yet. But um, so I've been doing a lot of stuff, working on more Curse City models. Um, I've also been uh, working on my custom Stormcast Warband. Um, try to figure out what chamber I'm going to call them. I'm going a very kind of like Arctic Hunter wolf theme. So like from Spellcrow, one of my favorite uh, bit companies, I bought a whole bunch of pauldrons from and like like very kind of bearded, long-haired uh, male heads. And so I'm working on my custom build of them with those heads and pauldrons. It's kind of fun getting the pauldrons on because they didn't quite fit. But you now being resin, the little trick there is to use boiling water, put them in that for a minute. And then from there, you can lightly mold it around the model to get it to fit. Mm. They're a little too big. That's the little trick there and gotten to just fit nicely in the storm cast. My, I was very disappointed when I found out that my custom colors were just the, um, I think it's the hammers of uh, something. Yeah. The, I, I found out that I was like, I'm going to do gold trim on black with red. And then Bryce is like, yeah, no, that exists. And I'm like, God damn it. They're already painted. 
Yeah, I'm actually doing something altogether unique. I'm experimenting with uh, color shift paints. Mm-hmm. So I like I'm using Green Stuff World's color shift paints. I hit them with a uh, black primer, hit them with uh, abandoned black, and then I got hit them again with uh, some very glossy varnish. And then I use the color shift paint. So the one I, color I'm using, it's technically supposed to be a green, but it's because it shifts into that. It's mostly a purple color. I'm oh, still yeah. going to figure out how, like, what colors I'm doing, but all the metals are going to be that kind of mostly purple that shifts slightly into green. They're going to be top of icy base. So they're very dark colored, and the icy base will help make them pop out a little bit more. I think once uh, once you got your guys done, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to do uh, uh, a Stormcast for Stormcast Warcry game, <laughs> and uh, just see how that plays out. Maybe we'll report back on that. Maybe. Otherwise, I have been experimenting a bit. Um, I just got my little uh, present myself for p- passing school once again from Green Up World. I picked up a new base roller for basically it's a temple base roller. It's supposed to kind of given old like tempo we find and you kind of roll over some green stuff and i am planning to use that for my ozr bone reapers also got some inks i really want to experiment a lot more of inks and so i picked up their two um strong colored ink packs and experimented already a little bit of it today and i was pretty happy the vibrancy of the colors i mean my experimentation has been with an airbrush i'm finally getting my airbrush out i've done all of the gold on my models in an airbrush and oh my god it took me like fucking five minutes and i was yeah. like holy crap this yeah. looks good and i'm done what <laughs> so i think i've mentioned this to you before but one thing uh, i'll let you know contrast paints go through the airbrush beautifully they don't quite work the same obviously because they're not working to get in recesses but they make great airbrush paints hmm. just so you know i actually might try that later today because uh, I was using a very light blue for all of my uh, Saurus, and I may have spilt it. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll use, I've, I bought another pot of contrast blue that I had left over that it's just been sitting around. I'm like, oh, we'll paint the skinks with this. They'll be a little bit different blue, but they're a different species anyways, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. But if you're telling me that it goes through the airbrush well... Yeah. I've got everything set up, pretty much ready to go. So I might, uh, I might take the the seraphon downstairs and and pump them with the uh, with the with the gun. It won't work like the contrast paints normally do because it mm. obviously contrasts work by uh, getting to the recesses and shading that way. It won't work like that or quite like that. It'll do it very minorly. So you'll have to do a little shading top, but the color it will give you a really nice uh, coat and okay. it will uh, cover really nicely. I found. Um, I was doing actually the Seraphon's um, Realm Shaper engine recently with it, and I was using the um, Agros Dunes uh, contrast paint. So I was able to work it, and I was, in a sense, I kind of shaded with it because I was doing this the tops of the steps with one coat, but just below on the side, I did two coats. So the side was darker, but if you look on top, it was brighter. You know, kind of the whole idea. Yeah. The sun's above it, and worked it really nicely. Um, so you'll have to do a little shading from there, but it's up to you in the end. But give it a try. It's really, really nice for the airbrush. All right. Yeah. So our main content today, everyone, is that we're going to be talking about Shaman, the realm of metal. Cue in a little. All right. So welcome to Shaman. Uh, this is, you know, we we talk a lot about we talk a lot about corn, obviously. We talk Actually. a lot about Nurgle because we both stand Nurgle. 
Guy Ryan. Um, and we we mostly facepalm whenever we bring up Slanesh. No specific realm, but yeah. <laughs> but oh my God, we, we we don't ever talk about the the third boy, the bird. We don't talk about Zinch, and it's time for us to change that. You change, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I know it sounded a little maybe a little more scavenging, but Zinch is all about the plotting. So, <laughs> oh, don't worry, Do we. There's Skaven in here, too. So we oh, will be talking course. about Shab on the Realm of Metal. So I'm going to read a little passage quickly mm-hmm. from the uh, from the book. Uh, we are we are going off of the core book, as usual we do for these talks about the realms. So that's is where we're getting our information from. The first little text is this. Full of transmutations and alchemical wonders, Shaman is a realm where impermanence is the only certainty. Blessed with riches beyond the wildest imaginings of misers and kings, it promises immeasurable powers to those who can harness its resources. Zinch covets this realm, and the region known as the Spiral Crux in particular. Yeah, and we get a nice little map of the Spiral Crux, and it definitely fits that name. It has very much a spiral look with all the islands kind of swirling around a center point um yeah the design of this realm from the map that we're given here is really kind of neat uh yeah this is a really interesting realm because i don't even think you could really map it properly with the way it's described it would be it's sort of constantly shifting around Mm -hmm. and uh in fact that's the first lines that we get is the realm of metal is ever shifting but certain some uh, but certain some realms sort of stay the same. But basically, Shaman is a series of kind of islands that sort of uh, exist within the plane itself. The people of Shaman have really adapted to this sort of shifting nature. Many of them sort of uh, are able to move to where their wealth is harvest it and then move on as is necessary but there are sort of pockets of, of c- civilization that stay stick around yep and it's funny that you mentioned wealth because one of the main races from this realm is the character overlords and they are the mercantile uh, capitalists of this realm say that again sorry oh that's it it's funny that you mentioned um, wealth and everything because the main, one of the uh, races uh, that live in this realm are the Caradron Overlords, the oh. uh, merchant capitalist uh, race of a- AOS. In for, in, in to- in, on top of that, we have the Duarden who uh, spend much of their time in this realm. Um, so it should be noted, something that's very important to start off with is that Shaman is mostly metal, but it is not exclusively metal. Nope, there's um, lots of pure water. Yes, pure water is perhaps one of the pro- probably one of the most coveted resources in the realm itself. Uh, the closer you get to the sort of the core, the more of this pure water you will find. Um, there are trees around, but they're usually much harder. So everything, like most of what we would have in the normal world, does exist in Shaman as well, but it takes on properties of metal. It'll either be more dense, more hard, uh, shinier, and all of it is incredibly useful for performing like alchemy and smithing. It's not shiny, yes, yes. Oh, it's shiny, <laughs> and it is worth about 
all of the money. All the money everywhere, it's in Shamon. It doesn't matter. You don't you you think you're rich? You ain't got shit. Yeah. So should we uh, dive into a little bit of the history here, like going to the age of myth and such about it? The age of myth is all when all good things magical and great seem to happen across the realms before chaos started coming in. And it's no different here in this realm. And this realm, it's kind of neat. They really kind of go into an origin of it uh, with Grungi. Okay, so I can start us off with Grungi, if you don't mind. Or do you want to do Grungi? Oh, you can talk about Grungi. All right, we're going to talk about Grungi, the money god! Grungi! You got God Sigmar, god of lightning and the god king. Nagash, god of the underworld and uh, death. Grungi, basically Batman, has all the money. <laughs> Amazing Smith too. We don't want to like just just uh not talk about that, but mostly the money thing. So basically, after um Grungi gets freed from Sigmar uh, by Sigmar in the Age of Myth, Grungi just decides, yeah, I'm gonna go make a bunch of awesome things, and he goes and makes the 19 Wonders of Sham on himself. Basically, it, while he is working, he is breathing so heavily from the heat of the forge that his breath actually mingles with the air and creates a substance known as Aether Gold, which will be very important later. Yeah. Um, it gives us uh, a few examples. Uh, he has created he created the Steel City of Mazdrang, the Cog People of Odsin, and he even created the World Heath. Um, but Hearth, World Hearth. Yes, one of the most amazing creations that he did. One of his most important creations, and perhaps one that would befall some unfortunate fates, was known as the Godrot Isles. These are perfectly straight isles. Each one connected with with these perfectly curved bridges, like absolute precision, uh, mathematically perfect. Um, these were created very much sort of near the center of Shaman. And um, the trade between the Duarden and the humans that were here would really uh, thrive in these areas. It stated that over 80 generations of prosperity and peace were to follow after he created the Godrot Isles. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, of all of the things Grungi could do, of, of all of the masterful things that he could create, there was one thing Grungi was not capable of making, and that was a society that would be free of crippling greed. And that will unfortunately lead to the downfall of Shaman itself. Yep, we'll get there. And just as a reminder to everyone, Grungi, he joined in the Pantheon of Order, and he actually dwells in Azir right now uh, to forge the Sig uh, Sigmar Bellum. And he's kind of the person helping out Sigmar with forging the Stormcast armor and all that. Right now in current lore, he helped Sigmar create the new armor for Stormcast. So that way they wouldn't be sucked up into the big, huge, bad thing that's going on right now. We'll talk about it at some other point. Um, and so another big thing about the realm of Chamon is each realm has their own realm stone, kind of a big, mythical, powerful, magical stone. And in this realm, they have Chamonite. And Chamonite is, is uh, a stone that is able to give a lot of alchemy and alchemical power to those with who are able to manipulate it a bit. So a lot of uh, doctors will use this, the character overlords use this as well. 
yeah, it's used quite a bit in trade. So they'll often gift it to the wealthy. Um, it's used for a lot of different things. It's kind of hard to explain because it is a magical stone, but it has a lot of purposes, a lot of uses, and it's highly, highly valued. Basically, you're cheat. You're like, ah, crap, <laughs> I don't know how to make this thing. Just put some shamanite on it, buddy, and then it works. And you, there you go. So it's warp stone? Uh, look, warp stone, <laughs> warp stone, don't, don't, every, warp stone's better than all the realm stones. Everything's yeah. garbage, warp stone number one. But um, I think they mentioned shamanite also somewhere. They refer to it as quicksilver, don't they? Oh, or something. I believe so. Um, which makes me think it's very, realm stone. yeah, I think it's, so I guess it looks and it's very much like mercury, which is very interesting to, to know. Like, it's one of the few mm. that I think we have a, at least that I have a very clear vision of in my head where it's like shamanite oh it's just mercury basically but like magic mercury yeah well each i think they do a little job of describing it but we'll get there as we cover it in different realms but the, yeah the big thing kind of like with everything on grungy and when he left it as the title is his forge his forge goes cold and essentially as it's cooling off the volcanic heat dissipates from it the different lands start breaking off and this is where i kind of find it's really interesting it does almost do a creation story kind of breaking off from there the from the different mountains and that's where we get all the different islands such as on it's very much kind of like a not quite a biblical little creation story but a creation story in its own right really kind of neat yeah yeah and then the book goes into some uh, just sort of trade in progress and this um this gives us a bunch of details about specifically a bunch of people making money. A bunch of money is getting trade around it, trade around, and uh, a bunch of uh, trade alliances are forged. And on the Godrot Isles, sort of the group that comes to power becomes known as the Brothers Adamant. They they're just rich. They're basically like rich bankers. They have all the money. When there's wealth, there comes people who don't have wealth, which starts leading to other issues in this realm. Specifically, people wanting change. Keyword there. They'd be trying to find ways of changing things because they want things to be a little more equal. Dare I say a little bit more of a socialist type of society because, you know, they're bomb. They're trying hard, but they're not rising up. The rich are above them, stomping their feet down. And so they're crying out to anyone who's willing to bring, once again, the keyword change. And so the gaze of Zinch starts coming across this realm. And, you know, Zeech, much like Karl Marx, offers the ability to steal back the means of production, obviously. Mm -hmm. Zeech did nothing wrong. But while Zeech's eye might be what is descending upon the isle, it is not what brings the first devastation to Shaman. Because the mm -hmm. first actual massive devastation is brought as a god beast descends. Um, the absolute, like, piles of shamanite catch the eye of a creature known as the Lode Griffin. Yep. The Lode Griffin is this sort of massive, massive, you know, eagle griffin creature that descends upon the Godrite Isles. It is described as fortress size, so this is a massive beast. Yeah, all the god beasts are huge. Oh, I would love to see yeah. four-dwelled models of the god beast one day. Uh, that would be great as something interesting on the table. But as this point, we don't have a model representation of them. Close things would maybe be the Sons of Bayamat, but they're not Godbeasts yeah. of their own right. But Well, yeah. I 
have a feeling that this one won't be getting a model, but <laughs> Dude, not this one. We'll talk about gonna, that. We'll talk about that one later. But the 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 the, the load griffin also is so massive that it has magnetic force mm. of itself. Basically, it has its own gravity. It doesn't quite describe it that way, but that's kind of how I've always imagined it as sort mm. of a beast with its own kind of gravitational pull. This beast descends upon the Godright Isles, and this magnetism is so powerful that it begins to literally warp and pull the Godright Isles towards it, and eventually forms what is known as the spiral crux, because all of yep. these straight aisles are warped in on themselves. And, you know, of course, this doesn't bode well for the people that live there. Many of them are trying to flee out of the way. They even have a name for it. They call it the metallurgic apocalypse. Oh, yes. Uh, all of the, like, equipment it suddenly stops working. And here's where we see this sort of reversal of the wealth in the realm. Because all of the people, the Adam and Brotherhood that lived on the, on the, the center of the realm, that had all of the money, well, suddenly they have none. Because all of their wealth has just been destroyed in this apocalypse. So these sort of outer outer tribes who were unaffected by this suddenly start being able to basically pull their wealth in and kind of start trade amongst themselves. So the center of the realm is very chaotic right now. And the outside is suddenly now we're getting this, this big influx of wealth. And really change up, changes up the economy of the realm of Shaman. Uh, as these uh, smaller like tribes and everything start riding up to proficiency, they're doing you know high amounts of trade, uh, really building up the, uh, their own personal wealth, and that causes a giant rift slash like surge, I guess you could say, in the economy of Shaman, which you know people aren't happy about, and that causes issues. Oh yes, yeah, which leads to. A tribe of Duridan called like the tribe of the Cruxian Duridan. They realize that their dreams of like a balanced society is broken. It was broken before, but rebroken again, you could say, with everything going on with the sudden switch in the different tribes all of a sudden being the new top. And so, what they do, like they become very uh, broken and divided among people, trying to trade among the various different Duridan and humans. They started losing money in that. And all this is going on while the low griffin is in that center area, just messing up everything. Also just doing it by sleeping because he just existing is causing the problems for the load griffin. And yeah. again, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. Load griffin did nothing wrong. He's just a good boy taking a nap. Yep. But yeah, so these dirt and what they do is they place a bounty on the God beast skull. Um, because, oh, we're not having a balanced society. Now, keep in mind, this is one of the wealthy groups of uh, Duridan, so their mind about society is them being rich. You oh, know, As yes. it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they place a bounty on the uh, giant low beast because they want it dead. They want it gone, so that way it can return to a quote-unquote balanced society. Yes, the balanced society where they get to be in charge with all the money. Exactly. You know, that's how balance works, right? Oh, yeah. That's balance. Yes. In their favor. <laughs> so, of course, that means that somebody needs to take up the charge. And now, of course, there are war bands after war bands going after this, this load griffin. And each time they get there, the, the beast just kills them. Because, of course, it does. It's a giant metal bird. Like, that is magnetizing <laughs> the society. There's nothing they can do. So, 
the nation of Asgal, the nations of Asgal, Sigjorn, Patina, Prosperous, Viscous Flux, and Convene with their greatest, uh, basically they, they hold a conclave, they all convene. They get their mightiest Aethermancers and they're like, all right, what are we going to do? And they go, we got a plan. This is the realm of alchemy. So they get together, I believe it was nine representatives, their, their greatest Aethomancers, and they surround the god beast's lair, you know, but, but incredibly far apart, each one taking a position to basically form a giant ritual star because they are going to perform a spell of transmutation to transform the load griffin and functionally kill it. They work together, they cast a spell, and it works. They transform the load griffin into solid gold. However, it does not work exactly as it was intended. For one of the wizards flies away on a strange disc and is later revealed to be a person we now know as the Watcher King, a yeah. servant of Zinch. To be specific, he is a gaunt summoner, if we're going to look at models. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, continue on. So he flies off. The other eight are consumed in a swarm of molten shamanite, mm -hmm. completely uh, consumed in this, this, this flood of, of molten metal. And the load griffin lets out a terrifying death wail. And as it does so, this whale is so devastating that it rips a hole in the sky above the crux. And from which legions of flying demons finally birth forth, bringing us in to the Age of Chaos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it wasn't clear from everything we were leading up to, all those demons, you know, they worshipped or were uh, part of Zinch's legions. Zinch said, Dibs, that one's mine. Yeah, you exactly. can have brass, you can have whatever you want. I want this one. They got metal, they got money, and I could take down the bourgeoisie because I don't know why I'm pushing this Zinch's Karl Marx thing, um, <laughs> but I am. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's dumb. We're going to stop that one now, but we'll continue on. Yeah. Like all the go dark gods have their own plays that they do for the realm of Shaman, but Zinch is. That's his main focus. Like, Nurgle has some warbands, but his is mainly in Gairan, um, and so on. Like, yeah. yeah, each of each of the gods does does come to to do the job, but obviously Zinch wants it. So, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that the Chaos Gods talked about it earlier. They're like, which ones do you guys want? All right, cool. You have that one. I don't want that one. I want this one. And Corn is just there saying, "Fire, fire, lava." Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay, you want actually? Okay, you can have that. I just imagine Corn just not talks much at all. He just screams. <laughs> now I feel like Zinch was probably more like, "Ah, oh, Corn, you know, it'd be really cool if you had that one over there." And Zinch is like, "That would be cool. They got some strong guys." He's just like, "Yeah, that was your idea," and he's like, "That was my idea." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Zinch starts invading the realms. He. Also starts really kind of playing around the sub-realms of Chaman. And basically, a whole bunch of things happen. The key thing that we're going to really get into the with the uh, Realmgate Wars is he hides away the hammer Galmaraz in this realm, in these oh. one of these sub-realms. And that's a huge thing we kind of talked about where uh, Sigmar yeeted his hammer across the realms and bad things happened because Zinch uh, tricked him. 
well, Zinch then took the hammer and hit it away here. We're going to talk about it in the Realmgate Wars books, but it's very important to note that it is here, hidden away in Chaman. Yes. So Zinch is doing this. His demons are invading, and it's pushing the Durden up essentially against a wall. They're kind of trapped under mountains. And this is when we start seeing a change happen with the Durden. They're like, well, we can't go down into the, our caves because the demons are flooding that. We can't go any higher up in the mountain. Where do we go? And they start uh, developing new technology to take them to the skies. And this is where we basically see the birth of the Caradron Car Overlords. They're defending their cities and they're playing around with their technologies to give lift to their cities. And we see them start taking off. And away they go. Yeah. This leads us to the Caradron Code and the developing of the Caradron Society. So they take to the skies. They... Or basically start battling against the Zeechan demons in the skies, but in the grand scheme of things, it's mostly the mountains that are taken over. They, you know, they do what they can to defend themselves, but as they continue on in the skies, they develop their technology further and further, and they uh, get better and better technology. Their guns develop further and better for the sky warfare. They don't have to be situated on the ground, have a steady uh, blast of them. And they start developing little sky ports. And sky ports are basically their connection to the world uh, below where they can do trade. But the sky ports are also a point uh, where Zinch deals with them as well. So it's it's a constant back and forth for the Caradron as they develop. And they discover Aether Gold in the skies. And they do what they can to harvest that as their new main currency, as their new kind of main energy source as well and Aethergore being that thing that we mentioned earlier of Grungi. Yes. But yeah, so they have their cities in the sky, they have these airships, they even have their own little balloon things, they have better guns for blasting away in the sky, so that way, you know, they don't shoot and all of a sudden are knocked back like 20 meters because, you know, powerful guns. <laughs> and let, and, let, and let, me, let me note, they sure have all this great tech. Really, really wish they'd fucking help. <laughs> like, oh. And that kind of is the last little thing. They make a point of retreating very, very high in the stratosphere and basically aren't seen again. We don't see them really through the whole round gate wars. They keep them themselves or they might see the golden boys doing some damage, but they're like, nope, fuck that shit. We dealt with the world. The only times that they get involved is if there's people in the sky causing problems or if they are able to get uh, a large portion of, uh, what was it? The Aether. Why am I forgetting the name of it? The Aether Gold? The Aether Gold, yes, which is what they use to power a lot of their stuff. Which, of course, if we remember, is the fusion of Grungi's very essence with the air around Shaman. And, you know, now that the Durden are kind of out of the way, um, Zinch's demons are eating all the Chamanite, which is causing weird morphing and everything to happen. And Zinch is basically raining a transmutative warp fire. So basically a very magical rain upon the realm mm -hmm. which is warping things changing things who knows what it's doing to everything like it depends city city some cities are everyone's turned into stone other cities are morphed and they're all turning into goo and and the greatest crime of all he fucked the water the water isn't tasty anymore now it's molten metal and i and you know what i wanted to have a drink of that fresh water that sounded crisp I don't want to have a drink of, like, lead. That kills you, Zinch. Demons need water, too. Yeah. That's where he crossed the line for me. 
But uh, Zinch is up there. He's transmuting everything at this point. He's transmuting the water. He's transmuting the land. Uh, he basically creates a giant crystal island around one of the island realm gates known as the Seed Gate. Uh, and it's described as kaleidoscopic crystal because Z- yeah. nothing Zinch makes is normal. You th- when we say he's warping stuff, it's not like, oh, I turned this square into a circle. It's like, yeah, I turned that circle into a non-Euclidean pentagon. Like, you don't even know what's <laughs> going on anymore. The whole time, sky sharks, flying chariots, flying around in the sky, beastmen on the ground, chaos spawn absolutely everywhere. Anything that can be twisted that Zinch can get a hold of, he can because Zinch, it's all about change and nothing's going to stay the same. You know, you got one horrifying nightmare the next day, it's a new horrifying next nightmare the next day after that. So, yeah, like literally, there could be pigs flying, farting fire, puking out worms, and maybe bursting into a blob of something. Who knows? Yep. Zinch is the toddler who has a piece of Play Doh who is playing around and messing around with it. He seems to be creating something and then he adds other things to it and changing, morphing around. He is the toddler who doesn't just know what he wants to do. He wants to do everything with that Play-Doh, and the Realm of Tremon is his Play-Doh. And it should be noted that the Skaven, Skaven are here too, for mm-hmm. like exactly five seconds, they <laughs> create the Vermin Vaults. And that's the, basically all the detail. They just happen to be there because, hey, if there's something to grab, the Skaven are going to try to grab it. Yep. Well, Skaven just need to have their hands in everything, even if oh, they're yeah. just there for a cameo. There's a lot of them, and so we can afford to have our hands in every pie. And then, so, obviously, the war, the men have been constantly warring for, for, for ages, and they're fighting back. And as, you know, these, this has gone on for years, there is a royal of thunder across the sky. And mm-hmm. it is so, so strong that the Aether Gold itself is spread out across the land. And, of course, Sigmar has arrived. We all know what thunder means. It means Stormcast, and I'm bringing down the Hammer Town. But unfortunately, when Sigmar arrives, he does not find, you know, these pockets of resistance that he was hoping to find, like in other realms. What he finds is a civilization of dust and corpses. There, there is nothing but what is described as the echoes of an empire long forsaken. It makes me think Fellowship of the Ring when they go into the mines of Moria. Yeah. And they see all the dead bodies and everything. It makes me think of that. Stormcaster is walking in and it's just dead bodies, dust, everything all around. If only there was a group of super technologically advanced dwarves with spaceships and guns that could have saved them. But alas, as no such group exists, it had to be the Stormcast. Because, of course, the Stormcast strike down with... All of Sigmar's fury. And I like to believe that he's probably a little extra pissed because, you know, Grungi, Grungi is our boy. He makes some damn good armor and some great weapons, you know. He, all the Stormcast armor, the the the, the Anvil of Apotheosis, that was Grungi. So this is Grungi's home. This, this, this I like to believe that Sigmar was a little bit extra pissed because Grungi's our bro. Only God that didn't fuck it up. But the Stormcast come down, and of course, they sort of spread out with a speed and ferocity that the sorcerers of Zinch could not possibly have prepared for. And they are just this unstoppable momentum of force. They're rolling across the land, crushing everything in their path, 
what few pockets of civilization uh, remained are quickly brought under the Stormcast sort of banner, and they're all working together to carve out sections of Shaman for Sigmar and his followers. They very slowly but steadily do reclaim several of the realm gates. Mm-hmm. And we see that Sigmar begins to sort of rebuild civilization around these realm gates. A hundred percent. And this is when we kind of start seeing the character run again, you know. And to give you an idea, it sounds like we're talking about like it's quickly, but this is hundreds of years, if not longer. But I mean, hundred hundreds of if you think about it, hundreds of years in terms of the 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 the, the scale of what is happening is rather massive. This yeah. isn't hundreds of years for five or, or or six like continents this is hundreds of years for literally an entire realm which is for anyone who always kind of wonders how big is a realm they often say realms are planet-sized you know so they're huge oh yeah so basically the the, the stormcast have been reclaiming the entire world yeah, so uh, conclaves of the character orb lords are start battling the flying demons of Zinch and everything, and they form an alliance with the Hammers of Sigmar. So they make a point of creating an alliance to work together, also an alliance of trade and such, or you know, making use of the wonderful uh, sky weapons that the character have. Um, they basically make deals of, you pay us, we'll go tackle this. You pay us, we'll bring supplies to these people, so on and so forth. Now, there's always the money aspect. Always the money. But uh, I, I, w- I wanted to like the Cadron Overlords. I really did. Kind of dicks. Could be honest. There's a, I read the Cadron Overlords battle tome, and there's a line that I think is hilarious. Uh, it's never sign a contract to the Cadron Overlords unless you've read it three times over. <laughs> because their contracts are so complex, and there's so many little details of it. You, you need to make sure you know everything, because they will have little um uh, clauses for everything oh yeah and we we uh, are introduced to and quickly lose a ship known as the than fantanic i think is the way to pronounce it fantanic yeah that sounds right so uh, up until this point the watcher king from earlier the one that let zinch into the realm has been basically flying around in his magic silver tower and sorry, I'm just gonna draw. Silver towers are basically Zechian palaces that kind of exist in a realm of their own. They warp around. They will jump, be flying above one city one moment, and then next moment's in between realms again. They, I think there's nine of them in total, and they bounce around a bit. So just to look, give a little context for anyone who's like, "What the fuck is a silver tower?" That's what it is. Yes. So this guy's been walking around in his silver tower, and the um. This the super ship, as it is described uh, by the, the uh, I believe I don't actually know if it states who owns the Thanatuk. It's a very bizarre section in the book. Some rich Caradron. I'm go yeah. I'm going to assume like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. We don't we don't exactly hear about it, but the Thanatic the the Thanatic is devastatingly hit. Oh no, we've the ship that we've known for exactly one line. It is it is dealt a devastating blow and instead of going down it decides to ram itself straight into the silver tower which is a baller move to make and the watcher king see uh seeing this goes ah yeah and then he pieces out and Mm -hmm. 
of course, the Watcher King is, is basically defeated at this point. But the reason that they bring it up is the Cadrons use it as an interesting lesson. Because as they put it, only a rube puts all his Aether Gold in one arrow still. Basically, they, they stated that this ship is an example of kind of the way the Cadrons do things. You don't build one giant ship. You build a fleet of small but powerful ships. Because if one goes down, you don't lose everything. Put it in a way that most of us know. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Or don't help everybody as the society just is destroyed. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry, that's it. They're on my shit list. It's Nagash and the Cadron Overlords now. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, essentially the Cadron Overlords working with the Storm Pass, they basically purge the sky of all the Zinchin demons, of Brayherds, everything. And they make a point of clearing it, making sure that it's safe for them to travel along. And they're able to do, go about the business of sky mining the Aether Gold and Caradron Overlords kind of just, they live in disguise. They abandon the world to their own fate. They're pretty happy with their Aether Gold in disguise. Now, of course, while Shaman is much safer now, it is not entirely safe. Shaman continues to be coveted by Zinch and is constantly under siege from the god and his many, many legions of demons. But this leaves us at sort of the end of the Realmgate Wars where Sigmar and the Stormcast... And the Cajun overlords have sort of carved out large portions of Shaman for civilization to take root. And that is where we are left. Yes. And that kind of brings us to current uh, timeline. And yeah, that's the Realm of Metal. We are going to be seeing it in the next two Realmgate Wars books. There's a reason why we want to cover it. Trying to make sure everything kind of has a nice little logical flow. Yeah. So we're, we're going to be seeing essentially early off what the damage is each has done to this realm because yeah. there's some hefty damage going on here. So yeah, I guess like my like my o overall thoughts on this section are I think Shaman's really cool. Mm -hmm. I don't as far as things that have been written that we have read, this particular entry is a little rough. If we seemed a little scatterbrained, we're doing our best, but this section in the in the core rule book is a little scattered. The Cadrons sort of appear and vanish. The I bet you it's it's definitely probably a little bit better in their book itself. Yeah, I, I want to say that the realm is much more fleshed out now with the Zinchian book and the Caradron book. Yeah. Like I was I when I was talking about everything the Caradron where they're back in the mountain they're trying to figure out what the, this is not necessarily in the core of a book they kind of lightly gloss over it that is from the Caradron Overlord uh, about. But of course, like we said, we are coming at this specifically from. Um, the core rules, and we'll flesh out when we cover those respective battle tomes in the future. Yes, but my point is that it's it's definitely not the most cohesive narrative, but I do think it's very, very interesting. Um, again, unfortunately, I really gotta put the Cadron Overlords on my shit list because, <laughs> yeah, they I, I might be putting too much on them to say they could have solved all the problems, but... They did not seem to do a lot to help out while everybody was dying. Um, yeah. And the one thing I'll say about Caradron, like not to sound too political or economical, they are an example of a capitalist society to the extreme. Yes. And that's why Karl Marx Zinch uh, is the, the greatest, tears down the bourgeoisie, seizes the means of production, turns it into a flesh wall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that will cover our coverage of the section of shaman in the core rulebook mm -hmm. 
And oh. so we can move on to our last little section. Well, I was going to just ask you a very important question. Would you live in Shimon? Would I live Would you in have Shimon? a cottage there? All right. So let me think. Um, <laughs> so if I was going to say from a personal perspective, no. But now hear me out. As someone who lives in capitalism and would love to see it fall, yes. Because it would be funny to watch a bunch of rich people explode. So, you know, Zinch, you want in our realm, hit me up. I'll do it, bro. We get this <laughs> We get this party started. Um, oh, yeah, that's going into a conversation outside of AOS. So let's just steer <laughs> away from there before we get all the hate. <laughs> as much as we might agree with some things there. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> you know what? The main thing I will say is we got this. There's a lot of parallels between our own world and that. We got to see, you know, the goods of capitalism. I'm going to be very careful of how I'm wording this because I don't want to get too political, but we saw, you know, how it helps society thrive. We saw it grow forward and that, which is a lot of the good things of capitalism in its early stage, but they kind of parallel it with the issue of it is greed. And in the end, when things have already moved forward and with society, eventually those who have more money will want more. In the grand scheme of things, to a person who has all the money in the world, what do they want? They just want more. And that's kind of where we see this go. That's as far as I'm going to go there because I don't want to create a huge rage, everything. It's, yeah. I'm not <laughs> let's, say uh, any let's be more careful words, about that. Because I have opinions and they're not for here. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> so right off the bat, I want to say when we're moving into our next session, we do not actually have a model watch this week because there really isn't anything new. Like Not really. They, it's been a little on the download in regards to new things. They're not necessarily showing off as much new stuff right now. We saw a lot of their big reveals recently, so I guess I can't complain. Yes. Um, hopefully we'll get some stuff soon. I mean, we're we, we're going to hopefully, like, definitely feels like with what they're showing with the last few days, uh, they're, they're, they're waiting to, to release some stuff. I think we're likely going to be seeing the, I think the Mechanicus book is out next. Probably Orcs after that. And, yes, I believe so. Um, I mean, we don't have any more news on 3.0, which, oh God, are you like this? This this is me. This is me griping about Games Workshop. 3.0 is happening, and then we look at all of the fucking like reviews and it's 3.0 rules. Yeah, they do have a timer on the website. We are nine days and twenty hours away as of the, this recording. Yeah. So, but what we do have for this episode is we have two new realm rumors. So we haven't gotten any of our old ones back yet. So we're still waiting to see what happens with the, uh, with the, like the the bear head and I think it was the Zinch staff. But we're looking likely there's gonna be a thousand suns update soon. So I bet you, bet you it's gonna be there. I'm still putting my money down. But we do have two new, uh, we do have two new rumor engines to go off of. Let us start with the hook hand. I think that's the, the newer hand, one. The newest one. Okay. Yeah. So um, the big thing we have to say about these rumor engines, uh, they they're all tied under visions of the beasts, and makes me think, okay, these are definitely going to be AOS based, um, especially because they have a little lore blurb kind of to go with it to help you kind of give your thoughts. And clearly, this AOS to talk about the Gur realm of beasts and all that. Um, and it's kind of really neat how they're wording it. It's basically just saying, you know, after 
it kind of ties into previous ones. So it's funny that we're doing the second one first, whatever. Uh, but it ties into that a little bit. And this person, the person is, whose viewpoint we're looking at, of, they see this uh, hook image on the Celestian stone. And it's kind of interesting how they go into it. I'm not going to go heavy into it. It's clearly them hinting at things in regards to potentially a brand new faction with AOS 3.0. Yes. Um, I think I think you're right. I think both of these are going to be from the new faction. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking it's going to be pirates. Hmm. Um, so I think that that bear thing that we saw before, I have a feeling that that is like like a cape and i feel like it was just probably what we're going to see is a pirate character who has a very fancy cape maybe a hook hand because i don't know I'm, I'm feeling very piratey with this it's definitely destruction this is not a this hook hand the way it's sort of curved the bolts don't quite fit in right reads evilish to me and destruction is very evilish but beyond that i think it is pirates i have absolutely no fucking clue if we're being entirely honest. I'll counter that. I don't think destruction I don't view destruction as evil. I view them as like the ultimate neutral party where they don't go one way or another. They just like to have a good time and destroy things. Well, that's why I said evil-ish, not evil. They're not okay. well it depends. Say, it seems like this, not... I would say are a little more evil, but yeah. No, here's my thing. You could go like they're not intentionally evil. They're they're not doing it to be mean. Yeah, they'll kill everybody to have a good time. That's evil. Like, that doesn't matter okay. if they're doing it. It's, Korn's not, not evil. It's just in his nature to destroy everybody and eat babies. Like, <laughs> that, it, you, we can't, you, you, you got to separate necessarily intention from actions, in my opinion. Um, but, I just want to know, can we get through an episode without mentioning Corn and his baby-eating habits? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Because I will never let anybody who says corn is the god of honor live down the fact that they explicitly mention baby eating. Uh, we've got dummy thick Nurgle, we've got Karl Marx Zinch, we've got baby eating corn, and I don't want to talk about Slanesh. <laughs> no one go there. Best waifu great horned rat. Uh, so the other realm rumor we have um, is this face thing. Yeah, it's kind of it. I. I don't know. I So in one way, I almost look like it's a mask because on the sides, it almost looks like there's these little bolts. Oh, yeah. This is absolutely a, a, a stretched out face. Yeah. So you can see, and so this is, you can see on the bottom of the tongue, there's a maggot very clearly there. Yeah. So it's, it's rotting. Yeah. So and then the teeth uh, are piercing through the tongue, meaning it was kind of like pulled and rammed through. I got a theory about these people, but I'll talk about that right after we're done talking about this. Yeah. Well, so I think, again, I think this is going to be part of the sort of pirate. I think what we're, I think what we're looking at is like raiding parties or some sort of something like that. Maybe. Like raiders that run around Gur and fight monsters, maybe enslave monsters and use them to fight. I think that this is, that looks very beasts of chaosy to me, that face. Mm -hmm. So I think that they've killed somebody here, stretched out the face. Although the face is also very stone. It's very interesting. It's very it's very rigid face, so it looks like it's also maybe made of stone. But the Maggot would kind of say that it isn't. Yeah, something here implies to me that it is natural in some capacity. Yep. But we can see that there are steel plates on the bottom. So I think what we've what we're looking at is a face that has been retrofit and pulled over 
like a metallic plate. I think that this is going to be a standard of some kind. I think this is going to be a flag. And the only reason I say that is, so you can see that there's a couple of things going off of the sides here. You can also see that there's actually what looks to be a gap in the very top sort of center, just above the left side of the nose. There is a spot that has a white hole there. So I okay. think what we're looking at is like a standard or standard bearer of some variety here. Interesting. Okay. That is, that's my theory on what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, so uh, as I mentioned, I have a theory about the race and now this is kind of going around. I will admit it's not a unique theory to me. But in the um, Warhammer Underworlds games with Beast Grave a little bit and the newest one, they have a mention of something they call the Silent People. And the Silent People are just mysterious things. They don't really talk about them too, too much. But we also know there are these mysterious people who are leaving these um, totems and such in like little effigies in worship of Kragnos uh, throughout the rounds because they talked about that with... Uh, Talking about Kragnos's model and on its base, there's a little totem with that. Yes. And I think that is all leading to the release of the Silent People. We don't, in the end, this is all speculation, but it's kind of, I'm thinking this leading into that'll be the new faction for destruction. We'll see in the end, but I, I got a feeling that's where this is going. Yes. And I mean, I just took a, just taking a peek at what you said, like the Silent People. There does appear to be sort of like a, like, some designs for them that seem to sort of be very insecty maybe i don't know like mm. this is we don't know a lot but if they are this sort of insecty race it is possible that that's what that bug is the grub could be a bug from this like insecty people we yeah. uh, uh, that's just me doing a quick couple second research and looking at what they what they what what images look like with the silent people other silent ones whatever they want to be called yeah it's yes. it's interesting like we don't know where this is going yeah, like that's the problem. We, we we can make our best guesses, but I have a feeling that almost besides the Zinch realm thing, the realm rumor, I think all of our realm rumors are going to be wrong because I think they're all going to be from this new faction of which we only have a very, very sort of small idea at this point. Yeah. But obviously, we are going to do our best to um, guesstimate. Guesstimate. And we will, we will, I, I think we'll probably. You know what? I'm 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 gonna call it right now. All right, I'm gonna call it right now. Mm -hmm. When we get when we get the reveal, we're gonna me and me and Carl are gonna sit down. When we get the reveal of this new faction, and we're gonna do a mini episode just on our thoughts and theories of what we get right away, like good? day of if we can. All mm -hmm. right, I'm calling it right now. I'm down. Oh. All right, but I think that is everything. So, Carl, yeah. do you want to see us out? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to us. Uh, by listening to our show, you are now Realm Walkers 2. Follow us on Facebook at AOS, um, or sorry, Realm Walkers AOS. And feel free to send us a message either through Facebook or our email, which is realmwalkersaos at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love any feedback, constructive criticism, and so on. Follow our Facebook page where we share images from our podcast show. And we also talk about lore and various different things that we try to engage you with. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our show. And most of all, we just want to continue exploring great AOS lore with you. So thank you so much for joining us today and have a fantastic day. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Bye.